the Acts, verses, excuse me, the Acts, chapter 5, verses 17 through 42. I will read the first half of the, the first half of the scripture, verses 17 through 28. Then Pastor Sarah will read the the the, the second part of the uh, of the scripture, verses 29 through 42. Please listen for the word of God. Then the high priest took action. He and all who were with him, that is, the sect of the Sadducees, being filled with jealousy, arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, brought them out, and said, Go, stand in the temple, and tell the people the whole message about this life. When they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and went on with their teaching. When the high priest and those who arrived, those who, who with him arrived, they called together the council and the whole body of the elders of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the temple police went there, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned, reported, we found the prison securely locked and, and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, they were perplexed about them, wondering what might be going on. Then someone arrived and announced, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the temple police and brought them, but without violence, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. When they had brought them, they had to stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people, stood up and ordered the men to be put outside for a short time. Then he said to them, fellow Israelites, consider carefully what you propose to do to these men. For some time ago, Theudas rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. But he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and disappeared. 
After him, Judas the Galilean rose up at the time of the census and got people to follow him. He also perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone, because if this plan or this undertaking is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. In that case, you may even be found fighting against God. They were convinced by him, and when they had called in the apostles, they had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. As they left the council, they rejoiced that they were considered worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. And every day in the temple and at home, they did not cease to proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy God, thank you for your word. Pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our minds to the message you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. The other day I was playing with my daughter Naima in our basement in a little playroom area we have set up down there. And like many basements, ours gets some colorful bugs from time to time. And so I'm sitting playing with Naima and out of the corner of my eye I see something moving very quickly. And when I turned my attention, it was a pretty big spider. I had that uh, fight response, and I wanted to just grab whatever I could find and smash it as fast as I could and eliminate this threat. I did not want it near her. I was creeped out. The adrenaline was pumping. You all know that feeling, right? But I paused for a second. I noticed it was crawling away from us didn't look like any crazy poisonous spider. And I remembered in that moment a poem that I'd recently read. Our friend Kathy Newman actually posted it. I saw it on Facebook. And it's this beautiful short poem by a man named Rudy Francisco. Listen to it. She asks me to kill the spider. Instead, I get the most peaceful weapons I can find. I take a cup and a napkin I catch the spider, put it outside, and allow it to walk away. If I'm ever caught in the wrong place at the wrong time, just being alive and not bothering anyone, I hope I am greeted with the same kind of mercy. Isn't that beautiful? I remembered that poem in that moment. And I took a deep breath, and I did just that. Though my first thought was, kill it. My second thought was to take a piece of cardboard and to scoop it up, and I showed it to Naima, and we walked up and put it outside. It has been said that your first thought is rarely your best thought. Do you agree with that? Your first thought is rarely your best thought. Now, first thoughts serve a purpose, and they can be very, very helpful. First thoughts are often based in instinct and uh, have to do with our self-preservation and staying alive. And I imagine, especially for our ancestors out wandering or hunting, that those first thought, flight or fight instincts 
served great purpose. But there are some times when first thoughts don't serve us well. Our story for today has two beautiful examples of first thoughts turning into second thoughts. We're in the book of Acts in this story after Jesus has died and been raised and we're following around these disciples, these followers of Jesus who are trying to figure out what it means to live life in this new reality. God's spirit has come and lives in them and they're seeing that the world around them looks different when they have God's spirit in them. So we talked about that Pentecost moment of the arrival of God's Spirit and the celebration of the diversity that came out of that. And then last week, Pastor Garrett spoke about the people acknowledging God's Spirit and it allowing them to move to a place of healing and community and love. And now in our text today, these apostles are teaching others about what it means to live with God's Spirit, and they're getting in trouble for it. They've established themselves as this sort of threat to the religious status quo. So they're in these temple courts preaching about this new way, and the religious authorities, those that have had the power and have built their whole life around the law and around leading people to God in the traditional way, feel very threatened. And in this fear, they decide to try to contain the movement and to lock up the followers of Jesus in prison. This isn't even the first time they have been in prison in the book of Acts, but in our story for today, Peter and the apostles are freed. An angel comes and sets them free in the middle of the night, and suddenly they are out in the streets recognizing they can do whatever they want and leave. I can imagine that the prison experience for them was not great. They're remembering what happened to Jesus when he was arrested and then later executed. They're acknowledging that if they're already in prison for the second time, they're likely to continue to be sent back there, and this is not a good situation. They've been there all night. They probably haven't eaten. They probably haven't slept much. And now with their freedom, I imagine their first thought might have been to get as far away as possible. To run with their freedom and go somewhere where the guards will never discover that they have been freed. I wonder what they might have done with that freedom. They didn't run away. Did you notice what they did? It says they went right back into the temple courts and continued to teach and to preach. The followers had this freedom, and yet they stopped. And they went back to doing what they felt called to do. Their first thought was survive, stay alive. And their second thought was God might be calling us to something different. So these followers are out teaching and preaching, and it says that when the religious authorities see that they are out of prison, they become enraged and want to kill them. 
they have disobeyed them, and now it's almost as if they're flaunting it. They're still at the scene of the crime, doing what they were first arrested for, and moving on like nothing has happened. We often think that the miracle of this story is the angel uh, making them free, but I think the true miracle is that they have gone back and that they are maintaining this call from God. The first thought was maybe not the best thought. It's also said that our first thoughts are what we have been conditioned to think, but our second thoughts define who we are. My favorite character in the entire New Testament, I guess I have to say Jesus is my favorite, right? That would be, that would not be good. My second favorite character in the New Testament is this one who we encounter at the end of this story today, Gamaliel. And Gamaliel is one of these teachers of the law, one of these religious leaders. He's highly respected. He is older. He has built his entire life on teaching the laws and around helping people connect with God through this form of religion. And so he is one in this group that feels threatened by these new disciples, these new apostles starting this new thing and not knowing what to do. And His first thought is one of self-preservation, to contain them, to probably keep them in prison and kill them. But then he pauses, and he takes a breath, and he asks the apostles to go outside for a moment so he can discuss with his colleagues. And he says, you know, we've seen other movements like this come and go. We've seen other people come and claim to have some kind of connection with God, and then it sort of fizzles out. What if we wait and watch what happens with this? If it is not from God, it will fizzle. But if it is, we don't want to be seen as going against God. If this is actually from God, we want to be on the right side of history. So let's take a breath and step back and let them be. I love Gamaliel and his perspective. I love that the boldness of his second thought leads to generous communication with his own people. I recognize in this story that it's like there's these two polarized groups and they're never going to change each other's minds from the outside. No matter how much the new apostles yell about the Spirit of God moving in new ways, the religious leaders aren't going to change their minds. And no matter how much the religious leaders proclaim that the old ways are the best ways and that God's spirit has not moved, they're never going to change the minds of the others. Sounds a lot like what we have going on in our world today, right? We surround ourselves in these echo chambers and these news channel systems where we only hear opinions we already agree with and we gather with our friends so we can talk about how awful the other groups are and we never really communicate with each other. Gamaliel breaks that mode. I challenge us to think a little bit about where our first thoughts are come from and where we might be called to take a breath and to move to a second thought. 
When we have gut reactions based on especially self-preservation or on maintaining a certain level of power or on some kind of stereotype that has infested itself in our minds, I invite us to take a breath and to ask God to move us to a second thought and then into action out of that second thought. First thoughts are rooted in protection and physical survival, but the whole point of God's spirit within us says that in resurrection, survival is not actually the end goal. When God's spirit lives within us, suddenly protecting our own pride, protecting our own status, even protecting our own physical security is not the main point. In God, there is something even bigger. And we can step out of fight-or-flight mode and into a grace that allows for communication and connection. I want to end with a story of a real-life Gamaliel that I encountered in my own life. Some of you know that uh, one of my passion points and uh, previous projects has been a lot of work on the issue of gun violence. And I was commissioned to write a curriculum on the topic of gun violence for faith leaders and to think about it from a, from a theological perspective. And I've done a lot of thinking and research and teaching on this topic, but one of the things that always bothered me is that when I would go to teach on this topic, to teach the curriculum about gun violence, the only people that would show up for those workshops were people who already agreed with what I wanted to say. People who were advocates for gun safety and who had a passion around it and who wanted to be in a space where others agreed with them too and they could talk about how bad the problem was and what needs to be done, but stay in their safe space. Well, one time I got the opportunity to teach this curriculum at a, a conference for campus pastors and college chaplains in the South. And at this conference, they did not have the choice of what workshops to sign up for, and they all had to come to my workshop on gun violence. They came in, many of them were much more conservative than I would say I was, and I didn't know how this was gonna go. They didn't even know the topic of the particular workshop, and so when I got up to teach and told them what the topic would be and put my first PowerPoint slide up, I saw some faces get really, really tense. And there was one man in particular, a college uh, chaplain, who I'll call Nick, and he was sitting in the back of the room and I could see his fists tighten, I could see him looking around, and I could tell he wanted to get out of there. And I began, like I always do, with an acknowledgement about safe communication and a place that we can actually listen to each other. And I began with the acknowledgement that we all have very different experiences with guns, with the topic of gun violence, and that our barriers are up as soon as we hear the word. And so we acknowledged and had a time to sort of share stories about the wide spectrum of our experience. And people were able to say, to tell stories about uh, really safe and healthy experiences that they had had, maybe hunting with a grandfather. And then other people were able to share really hard stories about, there was one uh, pastor in the room who had lost a brother uh, to a stray bullet in a gun violence situation. 
And we started just with this moment of generous dialogue of, we are all over the map on this, and this is not yes or no, black and white. Let's establish a foundation before we move forward. And I could see the shoulders releasing of some of these pastors, and they shared stories. And we continued on, and we had great dialogue. Well, after the workshop ended, Nick came up to me and he said, thank you so much. I was prepared to be shamed as soon as you told me what the topic was because the only context I've ever been in with people who are strong advocates for gun safety is to be shamed because I own a gun and I enjoy going to the shooting range. And you didn't do that. And we had conversation and I could hear real concerns and I could share my stories and I learned much more than I ever would have anywhere else in this workshop. And that in itself was a great celebration, but the miracle was what happened next. He emailed me a few weeks later and he said, you know, I had been thinking a lot about what we talked about in that workshop, and I took some of the materials to my friends and to my brothers who are part of this shooting club with me. And we had conversation about what might be done to make things more safe. His group of friends that he took that conversation to never would have listened to me. But he could be a Gamaliel in his own group and share something that he had learned because he was willing to go beyond a first thought and take a breath and see where God was moving. I wonder where we might have circles of influence where we can have those gracious conversations with people. And I wonder even more where we might be the people who need to take a deep breath and move beyond a first thought or a feeling of shame or judgment and to listen for God's spirit. Those apostles went beyond their own desire for survival and stayed with the call to preach the good news of God. And with Gamaliel's leading, the religious leaders took a breath and allowed them the space to do that. And look where we are more than 2,000 years later. It turns out this movement was from God. Would you pray with me? God of hope, Allow us to take a breath and to move beyond the instinct just to protect our own selves and rather to look out for one another and to look for your spirit. Lord, bless us in our generous conversations and our willingness to be people who can change. Bless us as we go from this place and seek to bring your spirit to all we touch. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.